Drive today. One of the big storylines this week at the BMW has been outside the ropes, the ongoing tensions between PGA Tour players and DP World Tour players and the 18 live golfers who are teeing it up this week at Wentworth. For more on the story, we say hello to Rex Hogger. The narrative all week here at Wentworth has been about the 18 live golfers who are in the field at the DP World Tour's flagship event. On Thursday, many of those players talked for the first time about the reception they've received here, as well as the vitriol that's gripped professional golf. Honestly, I've even the guys that have said some stuff, uh, they've been really nice to me when I see them. So I just I feel like it's a uh, it's pretty normal. Uh, I was maybe expecting maybe a little bit different, but no, it's been it's been nice. Everybody's been very nice to me. The fans have been amazing, um, and yeah, I mean everything has been pretty normal. One of those players that was critical was Billy Horshaw. Have you had a chance to talk to him or see his comments at all? Uh, haven't seen him really. No, uh, I haven't. I haven't talked to him this week at all. But uh, yeah, I mean I'm just trying to stay away from all that noise and just play some golf. Uh, it's been absolutely fine. Look. Um, I'm not really going to say an awful lot about it. Uh, my phone number hasn't changed at all. Uh, I have spoke to a few of the boys. Um, doesn't seem to be a problem from my time that I've been talking to them. And, you know, we can always play this game of he said, she said, and, you know, petty comments. And uh, it's just easier if, if I don't say anything. Um, it makes it easier on everyone, to be honest. So not going to say anything. Along those lines, and I know you don't want to say anything, <laughs> however, are you surprised at the level of vitriol between players, not on social media or with the public, but between players, it seems like it has escalated to a point that people are surprised. Are you surprised? Um, look, there's been a lot of petty comments in the last few weeks, um, and I'm not going to comment on them. Is your plan to play more European tour events going forward? My plan is to try and win this golf tournament. That's, that's, my, that's my plan. You know, it's funny. I was telling someone the other day that I got uh, the first thank yous from a couple of players out here uh, for what Liv has done for the rest of you know, professional golfers. Um, uh, so it's, it's been a pretty warm welcome. Obviously, there's been a few guys that have had some comments about some things. Um, but for the most part, it's been very warm. You mentioned some comments specifically. Billy Horschel actually used your name saying that some players in this week's field had never played in this event before and it seems like you're chasing after world ranking points. What's your response to that? Yeah, yeah I actually talked about it on Twitter. You know, I, I think that comment was just a little bit unfair and a little hypocritical. Um, obviously, he's done great for all of professional golf and all of, um, you know, international golf, DP World. Um, you know, he's had a, a great status out here. I mean, he's won this tournament, right? So he's, he's done great. But, you know, for me, this is my first time I've qualified for this event. Um, and, and so for him to just use me and, and use Abe Answer, who has, you know, supported this tour as well uh, over the years, I just, I thought that was a little bit unfair. Um, obviously, we're all trying to chase, per, you know, world ranking points. Um, I, I, I think I said that on Twitter as well. If, if anyone inside the top 50 uh, in the world rankings over the last decade uh, are saying that they haven't set their schedule with world ranking points in mind, I think that's a lie. Um, that's part of part of the game, and that's part of what we're doing is trying to improve our world ranking. Um, you know, obviously the the choice that I made going to live, I knew what I was taking on with the possibility of not having world ranking points, and um, but I also took that on knowing that there was going to be some events like this that uh, I had to earn my you know my way into these events so that I could still you know 
play a couple here and there to try to, you know, uphold my world ranking through the end of the year to try to get into the majors next year. Do you feel welcome this week? Yeah, absolutely. It's been fine. Um, you know, players, fans, you know, it's like the elephant in the room. You know, I feel like uh, it's not about friendships. It's not about, um, it's not about kind of me changing as a person. Um, I feel like I'm still the same guy that's done as much as he could for this tour over the years. I'm here to play golf this week, you know. I'm not here to stir up any trouble. I'm not here to talk about politics. I'm just here to play some competitive golf that I kind of dearly need at the minute, you know. Just looking at my own game and where it is right now, I just need to play golf. The vitriol right now between players, not even fans or social media, has that surprised you at all? The vitriol on social media is surprising for sure, but um, yeah, players, like speaking to guys this week, I, I, I don't feel huge amounts of anger coming this way. You know, I feel like nearly every player on this range would have done exactly what I did if they'd been given that opportunity, you know, aside from the big players in the world that, you know, are doing just fine where they're at, you know. So, you know, I don't, you know, this is more just about the DP World Tour as a, as a whole and kind of where it's going. And I, to me, it's simple as far as my opinion on kind of the, you know, to me, I'd like to expedite the process of getting to where the players decide whether they want live players to come and play in the DP World Tour in the future. And if they don't, well, that's fine. I'll get on my life, you know. If they would, if they feel like there is some value add there, then let's 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 somehow make that decision and, and move on, you know. So uh, th th this unknown, this lack of clarity, coming over here and guys in the corner of the lounge whispering and you know that's that's not that's not healthy right you know one of the things that I made sure I did was talk to BMW before I came here I didn't want to bring any negativity to a sponsor of mine for the last 20 years um, you know when they felt like they were in a neutral position and uh, you know this, this is a fantastic field it's a great golf tournament always has been and uh, I'm happy to be some sort of a, an addition this week. One of the storylines this week is this is the beginning of the Ryder Cup qualification process. You've been a part of so many of those teams in different capacities. Have you wrapped your mind around the idea that you might not be able to be involved in those teams going forward? I've wrapped my, I've wrapped my mind around every consequence. I've wrapped, wrapped my mind around kind of not ever being a Ryder Cup player or a Ryder Cup captain again, you know, and it hurts my heart, you know. It's, it's something I care deeply about, but um, at this point in my career, I have to... Um, make decisions that are financially based in this situation, um, you know, as, as I move into the sunset of my career, you know, I'm walking away from something that's a huge honor, but, you know, it's not going to uh, do much for my financial future, I guess, but um, it was a really hard one, and that was a big part of the, you know, there was a, there was a plus column and there was a minus column, and that was well up the minus column, you know, and uh, it was a very difficult one to, to leave in the table. And, uh, you know, as we move forward, who knows? But, uh, you know, I, I certainly don't have a great feeling about sort of, uh, you know, any live player involvement in Italy next year. And that's going to be hugely disappointing when you look at those names. Negram admitted that he considered withdrawing this week, and he also says he understands the pushback that he's getting from certain players, and he actually suggested that maybe there should be a player's vote to decide if the members want those live players to come and play European tour events and if they add any value. Now, it should be said that Rory McIlroy was asked about the idea after his round, and he pretty much dismissed it, saying that for every action, there is a consequence. Damon? Eamon?
All right, Rex, fascinating week already, and it's only Thursday. Where do you want to start? Taylor Gooch getting thank yous and warm welcome, saying live golf, what they've done for the pro game, or, or GMAC saying one man, one vote. DP World Tour players deciding the fate of live golfers who want to play. It's interesting listening to Graham McDowell's comments there because he at least seems to have reconciled himself to what was at stake for the live decision he made, what he might potentially lose, whether it's Ryder Cup or, in particular, access this week to the DP World Tour events. And he seems to have reconciled all of that on either side of the ledger. What you get from the other guys is this sense that they're somehow being victimised, uh, that they're being cast uh, as villains in this piece undeservedly. And you heard that particularly in, in other comments over the last few weeks from guys like Sergio Garcia and, and Ian Poulter and, and people of that ilk. And it's, it's kind of like if you've quit the job and you've gone to work for a rival company and you're somehow upset that your former colleagues don't want you to keep an office and keep getting paid. It, mm. it, that's the essential mentality that these guys are, are wiping out of the way to try to present themselves as somehow being wronged for, for no crime on their part at all or no misdeed. That's clearly not how the European Tour sees it. It's not how the PGA Tour sees it. And it's not really how so many of the players seem to see it either. Wasn't the money supposed to kind of assuage any feelings of trying to get back to whether it's the PGA Tour or the DP World Tour? You know, a lot of the players have said, go. Go, you made your choice, go. But just don't try to come back. Don't take spots from others who want to play here. Don't sue us, God forbid. But wasn't the money supposed to be here? I'm making this choice. Call it a Faustian bargain or, or, or whatever you want. But I'm, I'm taking this bread knowing that I can't go back. You know, you, 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 you cross the Rubicon. It was certainly part of the argument that was made last month in the temporary restraining order case that was heard in San Francisco when the judge suggested that some of the remedies these players said they were going to be d denied, which was right. the opportunity to qualify for major championships, the opportunity to pick up FedEx Cup bonus money, the judge's arguments seemed to be that their contracts had already compensated them for what they could potentially lose. Mm. And this, to me, is a really a battle of optics at this stage. And, and, and to me, that's what the Graham McDowell suggestion of a vote is that to have the players vote whether or not live guys ought to be competing on the DP World Tour. Graham McDowell knows there is no chance that live golfers would be voted onto the tour. Landslide, you're saying. It's, it's not even close. This is a Putin election here. It's mm. not going to be a contest. And all that does is create the optics that these guys are being booted out as opposed to the reality, which is that they chose to leave. Yeah. You know, my mom is a, a marriage family and child counselor, so, so I grew up kind of aware of body language and, and kind of how people look and how they speak. I, I watch Graham McDowell and others that have made this choice. There's some sadness there, some regret, you know. I'm no therapist myself, but I do listen. And, and I just, I hear a Phil Mickelson at the U.S. Open, and I hear a Graham McDowell at the BMW PGA, and I just see guys that are somehow torn, not 100% comfortable with the choice they made. Am I crazy, or do you think I'm, I'm onto something there? I think in some cases it was definitely a difficult decision. Not for everybody. And not for everyone. Okay. In Graham McDowell's case, it was probably a difficult decision. He had a, a widely expected career as a broadcaster mm. in his future at some point. He's got a, clearly a Champions Tour career ahead of him. 
and even though he said that the captaincy of a Ryder Cup wouldn't do much for his financial future, that's not actually true. It can be a fairly lucrative position for guys as well. So it's not as though Graham McDowell lacked options. Graham took the easy way out and because the other jobs required working for the money. This one really doesn't. And certainly with the guaranteed live money. So you can see a certain sense of regret mm. or anxiety in Graham because he's, he talked about this social media reaction. That's the thing I found least shocking simply because it's social sure. media. But Graham's always been a popular character. He's always been popular among the media because he was always there, he was always available for a quote, popular among his peers. Yeah. So the criticism that Graham's gotten in public, I think has rocked him on his heels mm. somewhat. I don't get the same note of regret from a, a Phil Mickelson mm. or, or a Patrick Reed or anyone like that. Um, I don't think they feel any regret or, or shame about yeah. their decision because they can't be shamed. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela, you put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. Medela, the mark of the fight. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. There are two things that are absolutely true. Grandma loves you, and she would never say no to McDonald's. So treat yourself to a Grandma McFlurry with your order today. It's what Grandma would want. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's for a limited time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back on golf today, first round of the BMW PGA Championship in the books at Wentworth Clubs, the flagship tournament of the DP World Tour featuring an $8 million purse and a world-class field as well, including eligible players who are competing in the Live Golf Series. This week also marks the beginning of European Ryder Cup qualifications for the 2023 team. So let's take a look at those qualifications. Three players qualify automatically from the European points list, three from the world points list. Luke Donald will select them six captains picks qualification begins at the bmw pga from september 8th through 11th that's this week and then it will end september 3rd 2023 three weeks before the Ryder cup now earlier this week rory was asked about his relationship with european Ryder cups who have gone to live and if that relationship can survive i don't know i have no idea um I wouldn't say I've got much of a relationship with him at the minute. Um, but again, like, if you're just talking about Ryder Cup, like, that's not the future of the Ryder Cup team. You know, they're, they're you know, they've played in probably a combined 25 Ryder Cups, 30 Ryder Cups, whatever it is. Like, you know, it's time that, you know, and that's why I was talking about these 10 cards going to the U.S. and preparing guys to play at the top level of professional golf. Like, that's, that's the future of the Ryder Cup. The Hogards, Bobby Mack, whoever else is, you know, whoever else is coming up, like they are the future of the Ryder Cup team. That's what we should be, that's what we should be like thinking about and talking about. 
couple of European Ryder Cuppers weighed in, including John Rahm. If European Tour really wants them to play, and as a team we want them to play, I think a solution can be reached. If it was up to me, I would love to reach a resolution to some of them being able to play, because like I said earlier, how many Ryder Cups has Sergio Garcia played? Ten? Most points ever earned in the Ryder Cup. Westy has been a part of a lot of it as well, and many others. I don't know if it will be possible or not, but I think if there's a way, I would like to see it. Shane Lowry is at Whistling Straits as well. With all due respect to a lot of those guys over at Live, I think they know themselves, and that's why they went to Live. Their Ryder Cup days are probably over, whether it be obviously they're lined up as next captains, but there's not too many of them that would have too many Ryder Cups. Look, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. This is the thing, and this is the thing that actually gets to me, is the unknown of it all and the uncertainty. How about that? Because you do have John Rahm on the one hand saying, my guy Sergio, we bonded at the Ryder Cup, that Sergio's Ryder Cup bona fides allow him, should give him the, the benefit of the doubt, where Rory, another leader, is saying, well, let's turn the page to the Hogar twins and the Robert McIntyres. Yeah, well, Colin Montgomery's got a great deal of Ryder Cup bona fides as well. He's not playing next year in Rome either. <laughs> and it's you know, what you've done in the past in the Ryder Cup shouldn't really have a bearing. And that's not never really been true. We've seen guys picked before on the basis of what they've done in the past and then had Ryder Cups where they didn't quite deliver. We've seen that happen even with a guy with a great Ryder Cup record, like Ian Poulter, who's been chosen in the past as a captain's pick, didn't quite get it done. We've seen it with Phil Mickelson not getting it done in Paris as a captain's pick. So they... What you did in past Ryder Cups doesn't necessarily have any bearing. And I think McElroy makes the astute point that this is the line in the sand that, that Europe had to draw anyway. Last year at Whistling Straits showed that. The European team were just battered around Whistling Straits by the American team. It was not close. It was an absolute rout. And it really exposed this generational change that was coming in Europe, and particularly in terms of the players. The captains, they're almost ancillary to this, you know, Westwood would have been a captain. G-Mac would have been a captain. Great. Let's focus on who was actually Sergio, going to play. Sergio, Poulter, Keimer. I mean, there was a long Rom, generation of them. Rom and Rory are not singing from the same hymn sheet. It's one thing for Rory and Tiger to be in business together uh, to save the PGA Tour skin, but, but the Ryder Cup for the, for the Europeans, we don't hear a lot of strife typically. Why aren't these two... Brahma Bulls, alpha males on the same page here. You know, whether you want to talk about Rory saying 20 events and Rom saying, wait, 20 yeah. events in this new PJ Tour upcoming? And then we have Rom saying, well, let's give Sergio a pass and Rory saying, Let, let's move on. I don't know where my relationship is. How is it that those two players, leaders of this team, are not quite on the same page? They may be playing leaders of the team, but I think you could argue in terms of what's going on in the broader golf world, that Rory McIlroy has been in much more of a leadership role mm. than John Ram has. John Ram's repeatedly said that he's tired of even discussing it, didn't want to be involved in it. And Ram has a valid point in terms of what firm commitments the PGA Tour will be able to get from players for these elevated events if a guy like John Ram still wants to play elsewhere and support some events in Spain on the DP World Tour. Mm. That's probably going to be something that's finessed over time. But Ram, is, when it comes to the Ryder Cup, is very much dependent upon still get the relationships. He still has right. a relationship with Sergio that Roy McIlroy doesn't have. So he's mm. hanging on to this idea that these guys who contributed a great deal in the past may do so in the future, whereas Roy McIlroy is pointing out that we have pillars 
to build this team around. And Rory's one of them, John Ram is one of them, Victor Hovland, Matt Fitzpatrick, Shane Lowry. Those are the, if you're going to pick the five guys that you're going to build the next few Ryder Cup teams around, yeah. those are the five guys. Yeah. And it may be overstating it to say that they're even in the generational crisis because we've seen the Highgard twins play well today. Turrell Hatton, Tommy Fleetwood, you know, Seb Straka has won, Seamus Power is in the top 30 in the world Sergio ranking. Sergio in the Ryder Cup. Yeah. You I mean, you know who doesn't want to see Sergio in the Ryder Cup is the Americans don't want to see Sergio in the Ryder Cup because he has been the thorn in the side of the Americans. Doesn't Luke Donald and company have to nip this in the bud now? You better get on the same page early. Why give the Americans some comfort when the Europeans have been so cohesive? Cohesion has been has been the, the 13th man in the Ryder Cup. Well, the Americans you. might not want to see him in the Ryder Cup historically, but you know who else doesn't want to see him in the Ryder Cup? Most of his potential teammates <laughs> don't want to see him. I mean, at the players' meeting yeah. on, on Tuesday in, in Wentworth, Sergio asked Keith Pelly directly whether or not mm. he would be permitted to play a future Ryder Cup. And that's based on some assumption that the decision is exclusively Keith Pelly's. Mm. Because even if there was some kind of detente reached in this broader argument that's going on, the fractured relationships are still there, and I think we probably take longer to heal. Mm. It's very unlikely if you were going to take a poll or have one of GMAC's votes in the locker room as to whether or not guys wanted live players on the mm. Ryder Cup, and specifically, do they want Sergio on the Ryder Cup? I wouldn't be as confident as Sergio that he might win that vote. It remains a fascinating time in the game. 2023 Ryder Cup and Marco Simone in Italy. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. <laughs> Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. There is professional golf in England this week and news outside the world of golf. Queen Elizabeth II, whose reign of the United Kingdom lasted 70 years, has died. Elizabeth Alexandra Mary Windsor is survived by her eldest son, Charles, who is now king, and her other children, Princess Anne, Prince Andrew, and Prince Edward, and their spouses. Prince William, next in line to the throne, and Prince Harry are among her eight grandchildren. She has a dozen great-grandchildren. From our Rex Hoggard over at Wentworth for Golf Channel, play at the BMW PGA Championship has been suspended following the death of Her Majesty. And Rex joins us now on this Thursday. Rex, what can you tell us? Damien, it's a surreal moment here at the golf course. Uh, the alarm went off about 6.32 local time that play had stopped on the golf course. That's two minutes after the royal family announced the passing of Queen Elizabeth the second and by all accounts they plan on stopping play today there was just an announcement out on the golf course sending all of the spectators home that remains unclear where we go from here there was a release sent out earlier today from the dp world tour that outlined protocols for just this type of thing as news about the queen's ailing uh, ailments started to become public 
exactly what that protocol is, is again, unclear, but we should expect to hear something within the next hour or so. Thank you very much, Rex Haga, reporting from Wentworth. A very sad day. Queen Elizabeth II, the longest-serving British monarch. She was 96 years old. So something or nothing, because, you know, Rory was kind of teasing before the week started about the live golfers. My struggle with 72-hole tournaments yeah. having come from 54-hole tournaments, but they didn't get off to a very good start. Something or nothing? It's something. I mean, the first round is often nothing, yeah. but it's something in, in this sense and in this context for the live players because they've kind of got to run the tables because the live golf tournaments don't have official world golf ranking points. The opportunities that they are presented to gain world ranking points take on a lot more importance because of the changes in the world rankings. Mm. It's measured not just in terms of how you perform, but who you perform against. And this is perhaps the best field that any of those live guys are likely to compete against for the rest of this year. It is three of the world's top 10, 14 of the world's top 50 are in the field over 72 holes. And these guys have kind of got to run the tables because there's a great deal of legal uncertainty as to what happens in terms of these players' abilities to access other tournaments that they're not automatically eligible for going forward. And the opportunities that they're going to be presented to compete against a field of this quality are also going to be fairly slender. So it, to me, it's something because they have to take these opportunities when they're presented because there aren't many of them. Is pressure of professional golf, then there's the pressure <clears throat> of professional golf when you need something like official world golf ranking points. And there's also the pressure of knowing that maybe you're not as competitively sharp as you would be had you been playing 72-hole events. And that's not my words. Those are the words of, of the likes of the World Golf Hall of Fame member Gary Player, you know, Paul McGinley, 2014 <laughs> victorious European Ryder Cup captain, wondering how will a Cameron Smith, for example, going forward, add major championships to the one he won this summer when you're playing <clears> in 54-hole <throat> events. How much is just the addition of pressure, 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 having scant opportunities to gain those precious points? I don't know if now is the time to make that assessment because these guys aren't that far removed okay, from enough. a regular yep. schedule yeah. on tour. But by the time we get to the Masters mm. and these guys haven't been competing against the best for a very long time, then you'll see to what extent there's been an erosion of the ability to compete against the elite yeah. week in, week out, if they're not doing it very much between now and then. Yeah, watch this space. It'll be interesting to see how they kind of cobble together some competitive sharpness. What is the definition of an albatross? Something out of the reach of myself and Eamon Lynch is a three under par in a single hole. Hole in one on a par four or scores of two on a par five, also known as a double eagle some circles now speaking of this amazing feat check this out holy cross men's golf teammates christian emmerich and owen egan accomplished the improbable while playing the same hole in the same group they both yeah holding up two fingers because they both made it two like back to back and christian and owen join us now on this thursday so christian you hold out first so set the scene for us what happened and, and welcome uh, yeah, it's good to be on. Um, so the hole is a par five. It's like 495. And you can take an aggressive route and take it over the trees on the right, uh, which me and Owen both did. I think it's like a 275-ish carry. Uh, so I had to go first because I had 160 yards in. Borderline clipped the tree. Owen doesn't think so, but I know it did. 
Um, I hit my coach, Steve Napoli, pulled up right next to us, and I had an eight iron in, and I flushed it. It landed 15 feet left, and then kind of it was drawing in, so landed, trickled over, and dropped. And uh, I kind of looked at Owen for confirmation because he had a better angle to see than I did. Uh, and he was like, it went, and I threw my club up, high five my coach, um, and went around the third member of our group, Matt Williams. He was there, and he was fired up too. Uh, and then my coach said, he was like, wow, that's insane. Like that's the first albatross and probably the only one that I'll ever see. Um, and then I'll let Owen take over here and describe his. Yeah. Um, so after kind of celebrating, I went over to Christian and gave him a huge high five. Um, and I was getting over my ball. I was still shaken up definitely. And was just trying to get it somewhere close to the pin. And it actually came out, my shot came out a little left of where I wanted it to, and it got a good bounce, tops one in the rough, once in the rough and onto the green, and then just kept on rolling towards the hole. And I think we all thought it was going to be short of the hole, and then at the last second it just disappeared, and we went crazy. I think Christian threw his bag down, and we, like, ran at each other and gave each other, like, a huge chest pump, and it was just so cool. That's a pretty good way to follow a tough act that most guys wouldn't want to follow. Have either of you guys ever done anything like this before, much less in a qualifying round? No, these are both our first albatrosses. I think, I know Christian has a hole-in-one, and I have a, a couple of them. <laughs> so, but I think an albatross is like, I mean, to do it on the same hole, it was definitely an incredible feeling. Like, what happened the rest of the round, a Christian? Like, like did you guys go ahead and shoot 56 out there like like what was the rest of the day like um so that so we started it was the eighth hole in the course we started on 10 and uh it was our 17th hole and some guy in the other fairway kind of yelled at us and he's like what are you five under and i was like well like i'm only one and i was like but i'll eagle this hole for you uh and then i stepped up and made it and then um i parred 18 so i shot four under now guys, we know what social media is like. No matter what you put out there, no matter what evidence you put out there, there's always going to be somebody to cast a doubt on it, try to call your bluff. Have you had any guys try to do that to you so far? Um, yeah, basically all like the comment sections on social media have been like, <laughs> there's no way, that's not true. Um, but I guess that kind of just goes to show how like rare this is. Like, I don't know if it's ever been hap or ever happened before. So hmm. I don't know. I guess we'll take it as some sort of compliment. <laughs> Absolutely, don't, don't don't let the haters get to you, Christian. So, so how do you celebrate? Do you? I don't know how old you are. Do you have like a, a soda pop? Do you, are you, are you <laughs> buying like a light beer? Like I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble, but like how do you celebrate? You know, a couple of albatrosses in the same group. Uh, I'm 21, so I mean the first <laughs> first day that we have off, and technically by the team rules, we're able to drink. I'll, I'll celebrate it then, but. Uh, Owen will have a couple couple Diet Cokes, maybe a lemonade here and there. But. Now the, the guy I feel sorry for is the third guy in the group. What did he make? He doesn't get a story to tell on this other than being the witness. <laughs> he he hit it to, like, 20 feet, and I actually thought his pot was going in for eagle, but he made birdie. Uh, he took, like, the conservative route off the tee and hit two irons, so he kind of didn't have the luxury of being close enough to make it like Owen and I did. Real quick, what are your goals in this game? I mean, you guys are making twos on par fives. I mean, you want to come work at Golf Channel? You're going to go become <laughs> an attorney? Uh, you know, need those doctors? Like, what's your ultimate goal, uh, one at a time? Uh, um, I mean, with the season coming up, I want to have a really good season. Um, we got a lot of talent on our team, and I hope 
we can put together some good scores to finish at the top of some of the tournaments we're in this year. And I'm just looking to have a ton of fun out there. Um, golf's what I love to do, and I'm really looking forward to this season. Yeah, and uh, for me, I this is my senior year, but I actually have two years of eligibility left, which I'm planning on using somewhere else, uh, get my game in a much better place, and then give pro a good run. Uh, I had a good summer this year, played at the USAM, shot 62 in the New Englands, and uh, it's all honing the skills and Friday matches at the clubs. And um, just kind of, yeah, just continue to play good golf. It starts with the fall, so should be exciting. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Congratulations. I hope this kind of ups your social media profile, you know, your big men on campus. And congratulations. And stay in touch. We hope to have you back sometime soon. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. It'd be great to come back on. <laughs> Well, another guy who felt a little exhilaration on the golf course this week was Carson Young. He was among the 25 who secured a PGA Tour card for next season at the Corn Ferry Tour Finals. He'll join us right after the break. Golf Central Update, brought to you by Callaway Golf. Welcome back to Golf Today. On Sunday, Carson Young was one of 25 players to achieve the dream of earning a PGA Tour card for the Corn Ferry Tour Finals. Earned a victory early in the season at the Panama Championship and finished 16th in the Finals. 25 could barely contain his emotions on Sunday. It's been a lot. I mean, <laughs> after Canada, uh, if I didn't make it through Q School to get on Corn Ferry, I was going to quit golf. <laughs> and so to make it th through that and then in one year, make it to the PGA Tour is, uh, <laughs> it's I mean, it's, I don't even know. It's, it's unreal. I can't even, can't even think to believe that what is going to happen after, you know, a year ago today. And the mustachioed Carson joins us now. Carson, great to see you. We saw the emotion on Sunday. What has life been like the last few days as this brand new world sinks in? Yeah, it's been a crazy few days. Uh, it's still definitely sinking in. Um, it's just a lifelong dream come true to to be on the PGA Tour and say I'm a member. So, just uh, yeah, it's been sinking in, but now I feel like I gotta you kind of reset my mind and focus on some new goals and uh, get ready for the PGA Tour next week. You talked after the round on Sunday, Carson, about the journey you'd had to this point, particularly coming off of the PGA Tour Canada a couple of years ago. You didn't have a good season. You were heading to Q School to get on the Corn Ferry Tour. What was the low point along the way there on this journey to where you are now? Uh, yeah, I mean, there were a lot of low points. Uh, first of all, just getting status anywhere. Uh, it took me uh, about three years to even get status on PGA Tour Canada. And then when they didn't have a season because of COVID, they uh, had the form tour. And uh, that was kind of where I jump started my my career, it felt like, because I had a, had a good year there and finished 11th or 12th, which got me exempt to second stage at Q School. Um, and, you know, got ended up making it through three finals there for, for Q school. And that was, uh, that was going to be my last ride just because I've been a pro for five years at that point. And, um, money was running low and just my, uh, you know, felt burnout on golf almost. So it was, it was cool to get through and just get my corn fairy card. And, uh, yeah, so it's been, it's been quite a ride. It's a hard game. Carson, what would you have done had you quit professional golf? That's a question I asked myself many times. Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe, uh, maybe something with golf, but maybe not. Maybe uh, I, I love I love bass fishing. Maybe something 
in that world. Um, I don't know. I mean, I had a, got a marketing degree at Clemson, and uh, that's a great question that uh, I was kind of scared to figure out what what else I could do other than golf because that's all I've known my whole life. So who knows what I would be doing right now. Thankfully, that's a question you don't actually have to face anytime soon <laughs> at this point, Carson. But when, whenever you did that's get right. on the Corn Ferry Tour, you won in your third start as a member. And at that point, I assume you felt as though that you were really on the pathway towards the PGA Tour. Then there were 10 missed cuts later in the year. How much pressure did you feel getting to the Corn Ferry Tour finals? Because you were pretty close to the top 25 who originally got their cards. You finished 31st. Were you under a lot of pressure when you headed into those last three events? I was. I was under a lot of pressure. Went in early in the season. Definitely put like a weird pressure on me as like, you know, you kind of expected to, to get your card as long as you play solid and uh, the rest of the season. And like you said, I didn't do that. I had 10 missed cuts going forward and kind of in the middle of that stretch, I was at a pretty low point. I was super frustrated and uh, times were definitely tough on the golf course. And, but I knew, if, you know, I, I was still in Corn Ferry finals no matter what and uh, had everything reset there. And, and that was my mindset. I knew I just had to stay positive and, and get ready for the finals. And that's what I did. And thankfully my game came around and, and putt started dropping and, uh, yeah, so now, now we're here. How about now? Clemson has a strong network of PGA Tour players, past and present. Lucas Glover, Ben Martin, Charles Warren back in the day. Who will you lean on for support? Yeah, uh, for me, it's probably going to be Ben Martin. Uh, you know, I live pretty close to him in Greenville, and I, I play a lot of golf with him. And he actually made it through Corn Ferry Finals as well and, and got full status that way. So it'd be cool to, to travel with him some and kind of pick his brain out there and and, and learn the ropes. So uh, I'm excited that, you know, I have him as, as, a, as a contact and as a friend out there to, to help me along the way. Having gone through these peaks and valleys, just even in this year alone, Carson, what do you define as success for you then next season? What are the goals that you're setting yourself? Uh, my goals are to, first of all, just kind of get in contention and, and contention to win a golf tournament. Um, but end of the year, I want to, you know, make it to the to the FedEx Cup playoffs and uh, give myself a chance at that. Um, so, yeah, just to retain the card and, uh, you know, just play the best golf I can and, and make it to those playoffs. You grew up playing tennis. You're also a so-called Mario Kart Hall of Famer. You're bringing a tennis racket to the PGA Tour or Mario Kart? You can only choose one. Uh, definitely bring Mario Kart. You know, I could set it up in the hotel room or something and, uh, and grind it with some friends. Uh, Tennis, uh, tennis is long gone for me now. I don't think I quite have the ability I used to with that. So I'll stick with Mario Kart. Yeah, same with me uh, with the tennis. Hey, Carson, best of luck on the PGA Tour, and congratulations. Thanks for the time. Yes, sir. Thank you all. Thank you so much. Still to come on golf today with the President's Cup being finalized. We've got our own President's Cup captain coming on the show, Jay Haas, victorious captain from 2015 and a member at Quail Hollow, joins us next. Let's flash back seven years ago. The U.S. won it for the sixth straight time, defeating the internationals by that point. There you see Jay. And, I mean, to have your son get the clinching point, it's pretty cool, I would imagine. Got to be a highlight for Jay. And I think it'd be pretty cool to ask him about it. 
right about now. Jay, it's always good to see you. Our show is better when you join us. So you got nine PGA Tour wins. You got 18 PGA Tour champions wins. So where does 2015 in that President's Cup rank for you in terms of favorite weeks? Right, right at the top. Unbelievable. What a week. Uh, great smiles there on our faces after that event there on that Sunday in Seoul. Uh, great memories just when they, uh, that picture flashed up there. I kind of got chills. It was uh, quite a week and a, and a great result for the U.S. team, but a great competition, very close. Could have gone either way. Jay, what does it feel like to captain a team that is never expected to lose? Because even in the Ryder Cup, while America is always the favourite, the, the results would suggest it's much more competitive that, than that. But in the international team in the President's Cup, doesn't have a great winning record. So the American captains always go every couple of years and they have this overwhelming pressure that you can't possibly lose this cup. Right, yeah, just don't screw it up, right? That's kind of our job. I don't know. I think the players, uh, certainly the captains, feel like it is not a foregone conclusion. I, for one, am shocked at the results uh, over the past, uh, I don't know, what did we have, 12, 13, 14 President's Cups right now. And for the international team to have only won once and we've had a tie, it's kind of surprising. You look at the list of Hall of Fame players that have played on the international side, it just doesn't make much sense, and I don't, you know, I don't get it. I think that when we went over to Seoul, I felt like, uh, you know, we had our work cut out for us. They had a really solid team, a, a pretty veteran team, actually. Uh, Brandon Grace uh, and Louis played unbelievable golf. I think Brandon went five and zero, first time ever, and so it, it uh, you know, in in my view, it was not a done deal by any means, and I thought it would be. Uh, down to the wire. So, you know, I think coming up at Quail, uh, I think that the U.S. team is a is a pretty strong favorite being at home. They they have a home course advantage because so many of those players on that team have competed in the Wells Fargo or the PGA Championship. Maybe not uh, 100% of the guys on the international side. So in that regard, it is a little bit more of a home game. But, you know, golf, there's just a, a razor's edge uh, to winning and losing, and and anything can happen. You just don't want to let the other team get any momentum. But you know, it it, uh, it seems like the U.S. team is is a pretty strong favorite this year. Jay Davis and Trevor have a lot on their plate. You had your kid on the team. How did you balance the roles of dad and captain? Because when my dad coached me in basketball, I always felt like I was doing a few extra duck walks uh, compared to the other guys. You know, I, I think I was that way a little bit with Bill as well. I think I was not going to show any favoritism and maybe leaned, uh, you know, didn't put him out in the very first day matches just because he was a pick. And uh, But to be honest, he was really playing well that week. I think to a man, uh, the other guys on the team were saying, man, Bill is, is striping it. You know, you got to get him out there and everything. So, in that regard, kind of like you, uh, you know, Dad kind of probably, uh, you know, put the cold water on him a little bit there for that event. But at the same time, I think Freddie, uh, being my number one assistant that week, it, you know, he kept uh, promoting Bill. He he was a he's a huge fan of Bill Haas, and so that was uh, that made me feel good. And I think everybody on the team. It, tried to put it aside that it was my son out there and then it, you know when when it came down to Sunday and he was number 12 
it, you know, to be honest, I didn't think it would get that far. It very rarely gets to the 12th man in the last day. So I just felt like he was going to cruise and just add to the winning total. And so when he was the, when he was the guy with the last few holes to go, I, you know, I was nervous. I was nervous for him. But at the same time, I thought it was pretty cool that, that he was in that position and he had 11 of his teammates pulling for him, the caddies, the wives. Uh, you know, on the other side, you had all 12 pulling against him, the South Korean crowd. It was it was quite intense and probably some of the best golf shots he's hit. I've heard him say before that uh, the drive and the three iron that he hit on that last hole uh, were two of the best shots he's ever hit under pressure. Well, he certainly delivered for you that day, Jay. One of the things you didn't have to deal with back then is this fracturing that has gone on in professional golf over the last couple of years with the defections of players to live golf. Clearly, it's affected Trevor Immelman's international team more so than the US team. But as a former captain and a player, do you feel as though in any way the American team is diminished by the absence of a Dustin Johnson or a Brooks Kepka or Bryson DeChambeau? Oh, those players that have uh, that have gone over there. Obviously, uh, there's some wonderful players and been a fixture on either the Presidents Cup team or the Ryder Cup team. But I think golf has a habit of replacing stars with more stars, almost. You know, and you give a chance to other great players to step up. And you know, I can recall when I was first on tour and the, a lot of tournaments there would be articles in the paper about who wasn't there. You know, Jack wasn't there that week or Lee wasn't there or Gary or Tom or whoever it might have been, the group of great players uh, in the 70s and 80s. And I think the players kind of got tired of hearing who wasn't there. Let's talk about who is there. And so you look at 1 through 12 on the American side, wow, uh, I would feel pretty comfortable uh, being the captain or, or being one of those 12 that uh, we had a pretty solid team. So, again, uh, those guys are wonderful players. And uh, Dustin, former number one in the world, uh, pretty hard to replace players like that. But uh, some of the younger guys that have stepped up in the past few months, a few years, are are pretty special players. And, you know, they're missing Will, too. You know, injured, that's, uh, that's hurting them because – if anybody's played extremely well for the past, uh, you know, 24 months, 30 months, uh, it's been Zalatoris. So that's going to be a, a little bit of a blow there. But so many guys step up when they get that opportunity. Jay, I was there in 2005. RTJ, DeMarco, and Freddie making those big putts. I was there in 2017, the blowout at Liberty National. No matter how you splice it, 11-1-1 is the record for the United States. How important is it that the international team continues to close the gap? Hasn't won since 1998. I mean, the folks at home, they want, they want to see a little tension, Jay. Sure. Well, I think when the, the Ryder Cup became the Ryder Cup, as we know it today, uh, back when the Europeans started to... Uh, be included in the event and probably 85, 87, 89, 91, you know, there, that's when it kind of became uh, the us versus them, I guess you might say. And prior to that, it was kind of a foregone conclusion that the U.S. team was probably going to win. So people will say the best thing that happened to the Ryder Cup was the U.S. team getting their butts kicked. Now, I, I wouldn't want to be the captain that or on that team that uh, started – 
a losing trend for the U.S. team. And again, you can't say, hey, don't try so hard, guys. You, you know, we got to make this event a great event. And there's just no defense in golf. You know, if you play well, you you can't stop the other guy. You're playing, you know, you can't guard them. You can't yell in their backswing. You you shouldn't anyway. But it, it's I, again, I'm I'm just kind of uh, at a loss of why it's been. It is 11-1 and one. That just doesn't make much sense when you look at the players that have been on both of these teams. You know, world class uh, all around, but. You know, probably that would make the event a little bit more uh, noteworthy. You know, I remember when the, you know, who watched yacht racing before the Ameri Americans lost the America's Cup. And that was, a, that was a big plus for that. But, you know, yeah, I don't think Davis wants to be the guy who starts that trend. Quick last question for you, Jay. You are 68 years old, but you made the cut with Bill at the Zurich on the PGA Tour earlier this year. You were top 10 in the U.S. Senior Open. Is there any chance we're going to see you out there on tour again? Uh, not on the PGA Tour. Uh, you know, people have said, oh, you got to do it again in New Orleans, and we'll, you know, cross that bridge when we come to it. But I, I was thrilled that Bill asked me to play in that, and I played pretty well, very well the first day for me. And we managed to hang on, make the cut. It was quite a thrill just to be with him, just play with those guys and see some of the best players in the world. Uh, you know, Scotty Scheffler was in that event, so he was number one at the time. Pretty cool to be in the same tournament that he was in. I just had a ball that week. Jan and I were down there. We had dinner uh, with Bill and Julie every night, and it was just a, a week uh, to remember. But I, I don't think so. You know, I'm uh, having my hands full trying to compete against the guys on the PGA Tour champions and some of the young guys, you know, I'm, they could be my kids. I think, you know, I'm 18 years older than new guys that are coming onto the, onto the scene now. So it, it's a tough, tough road to hoe, but uh, I still in, enjoyed the competition and don't see any plans to stop anytime soon. You never know next week. I might say that's enough. Well, Jay, nobody has blended nice guy with a little fire in the belly. Yeah. You run hot sometimes. Uh, better oh, yeah. than you. It's great to see you. It's always fun catching up, and, and thanks so much for the time. All right. Hey, guys, you do a great job. Uh, I always enjoy watching you. He is Jay Haas, nine-time winner.